Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Tonight, I want to tell you, you are not to be a victim. You are to be a victor. And so when rejection comes and inferiority and the opportunities for us to give in to that, I think as we look into the Word of God, we're going to see some things that will free us. See, rejection, that spirit of rejection that holds people, it's a bondage. It's a spirit and it's a bondage. Now, not every person that has to deal with rejection has to deal with the spirit of rejection. But I'm going to tell you, once you give in to that, over and over and over again, that spirit will come knocking at your door. And if you continue to give in to it, it gets a stronghold in your mind. And then when you are just going about life with your family and your uh, employee, Uh, employer and the people that you work with, and you don't know why, you know, you constantly feel rejection. You don't know why you constantly can't get along with people and you're constantly offended. I'm going to tell you, it could be rejection because what we're doing many times is we expect that to happen to us. We're expecting it. We're anticipating it. And because we do, then it happens. We just put that aura out there. It's all around us. And so when people come into that area of our life, come in close, then that's what we experience. We get rejected because that's what we're expecting to do. But we're going to find ways out of that. Amen? Now, I was thinking about David. You remember the story of David and how that he suffered rejection. First of all, when he was a young man, you remember the story. And he had those brothers. And you know, everybody was expecting one of the other brothers to be anointed to be the king. But the prophet kept saying, no, 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 there's not the, is there one more? And they said, yes, there's the young one, David. And so they said, go up, bring, the prophet said, bring David in. And David was anointed as king. And when he was, his brothers didn't like it. And they gave him a difficult time. He was rejected by them. And then not only was he rejected by them, but ultimately he was rejected by the king because the king was jealous of him. And so David had to learn how to deal with rejection. And he was out one day hiding out with his misfit army, if you will. And he was in a place called Ziklag. Ziklag means place of overwhelming despair. And that's where he was. He was rejected. He was in a place where he was overwhelmed uh, with the circumstances of life. Have you ever been there? And when people don't treat you right, when people don't maybe respect you in the way that they should respect you, what do you do? You might be hiding out in Ziklag like David was. But I'm going to tell you, David overcame the rejection that was hurled his way over and over and over again. And he was hiding out there in Ziklag, the place of overwhelming despair. And one day the enemies came in and they got 
all of uh, his army, his family and the armies that were serving with him, all of their family, they got the, the wives and the children and they took them off. Now they didn't kill them, but they kidnapped them and they took them away. And David came back and found the camp there in the place of overwhelming despair with all the children, with all the wives being gone, and they didn't know what had happened to them. And the Bible says that they began to weep and cry out until they had no more tears to cry. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place where you just cried so much there's no more tears that you can shed? Well, I certainly have been there. But I want to tell you, that is not the place that David, this man of God, uh, who had a heart for God, this is not where he stayed in that place of overwhelming despair and rejection. The Bible said when nobody else would encourage him, he turned his face to the Lord and began to encourage himself. I tell you, if nobody else will encourage you, you encourage yourself. How do you encourage yourself? You begin to speak over yourself the things that God has spoken about you. You know, when everybody else is telling you, you're not going to cut it. You're not going to make it. You're not this. You're not that. You're not tall enough. You're not good looking enough. You weigh too much. You're too short, whatever the case may be. When all the people are telling, you're never going to be able to do what you think that you're going to be able to do. When everybody is speaking and saying that, we need to turn our face to the Lord and we need to begin to speak what God speaks about us. And he says that the greater one lives on the inside of you. I can do all things because of the strength that comes to me and the power that comes to me inwardly by God. And I'm going to tell you, that's what David had to do that day down there with his brother. When Eliab, you know, when when David was facing the giant. And Eliab was saying, what in the world do you think you're going to do? You're just a kid. You can't take down this giant. And I love, I've learned so much from what David did. David turned from his brother who was speaking discouragement to him, rejecting him in a way, if you will, counting him as inferior, not able to do what he knew he could do. And David just said, I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm turning over here. And he began to say the same thing to somebody else. You see, once somebody discourages us, we share a dream. We share something that God wants us to do. Somebody doesn't receive it in the right way. What happens? We'll get discouraged. We'll go inward. We don't talk about it anymore. We don't share that vision anymore. If it's God-given and He's dropped it into our heart, we do not need to let that spirit of rejection, we do not need to let discouragement take the dream and vision out of our heart. But we need to turn from those who will not support us, those that will not hear us, and we need to turn to someone who will. I'm going to tell you, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I wanted to tell everybody. How many of you can identify? You know what I'm saying. And and so I did start to tell everybody. Except I realized that when I told some people, they looked at me like I was a freak. And then they began to say things like, you better be careful. 
You better be careful. The devil, the devil, it's like the devil never did anything for me. It was God Almighty and the Lord Jesus Christ that filled me with the Holy Spirit, that gave me the ability to be a witness for Him, that reveals the Word of God to me. The devil doesn't do that. But you see, I had to learn. I had to turn. And then finally I learned I don't even tell certain people because they don't respect certain things. You know, so maybe we find ourselves in that sometimes. Okay, so we looked at David. And then there's King Saul. I mentioned him just a moment ago. Now, let's think about King Saul. King Saul was a man. Do you remember the story where he hid himself out when they were looking for, when Samuel the prophet was looking for him to anoint him to be king? See, Israel, I want a king. I want a king. And God's saying, you don't need one. You don't need one. But they pressed and they pressed and they pressed. And so God told Samuel, go and anoint Saul to be the king. And so when they go to find Saul, you're talking about inferiority you talking about rejection. This man, the Bible says, was hiding among the stuff. What is the stuff? I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe it was a farm and there was hay and, you know, he had <laughs> hidden out. I don't know. But anyway, they couldn't find him for a little while. He was hidden out. And so they had to go get him. And the Bible says that he was taller than all the other people. In other words, you know, when there is something about you, even in a physical characteristic, if there's something about you that is different from other people, don't you know that you can get that sense of inferiority? You can experience rejection because here are all these other people on a certain level. You know, they're, you know, like the guys might be, you know, 5'10 to, to 6 foot. And here's Saul, he's 6 foot 3 or 6 foot 6. He's above them. He's a tall dude. And so maybe he's had to experience people not accepting him or calling him different, looking at him in a different way. Whatever the case may be, that was instilled in him, that was steeped in him. And because of that, he had a spirit of rejection. Now, I'm going to tell you, rejection, this is the way the Lord spoke it to me. If, if you take a wheel, and the hub of that wheel is rejection, and then out from that hub of rejection comes all different kinds of things. Jealousy, judgmentalism, criticalness, anger, you know, and we could just go on and on, but that rejection is the heart of it, and that's where it comes from. And see, we need to deal with it, and some of us deal with it well, some of us don't deal with it at all, and others of us deal with it terribly. And so I believe that God wants us to be free people from this. And all these other things that are in our life, He wants it, us to be cleaned up. Do you know what I'm saying? And the Bible says you are clean through the Word. You are clean through the Word. 
And so hearing truths like this that renew our minds uh, and, and help us put out the thoughts and the strongholds that are in our mind to hold us back and keep us from being fruitful and productive in the kingdom of God. Every one of us here tonight, we are not called to be flaming evangelists and go around the world and preach the gospel. But I'm going to tell you, every one of us are called to be on fire for God and use our influence wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And see, the thing of it is, what I'm talking to you about tonight will hamper you, it will paralyze you, it will hold you back. And because of rejection and because of inferiority and a complex that is, uh, you know, that comes along with that, we are stopped in our tracks. And we can't share our faith with anybody because we're afraid that they'll reject us. Well, you know what? I have been rejected before when I've tried to share the gospel. But you know what? It doesn't stop me. You know, if they don't want to hear it, somebody does. And that's the attitude that we need to have. But you know what? It didn't come that, it, di- it didn't come to me that easily. There are things that I've had to do to build in my life. And if, am I standing here tonight to tell you that I, you know, I don't have to deal with rejection or inferiority? No, because that's not the truth. All of us do, but it's not that we have to deal with it. It's how we deal with it. That's the point because we all have to deal with it. We're human beings. And I tell you what, the devil and, and uh, you know, lots of people will help him out so that we can feel that way. But thank God we don't have to stay there and stay stuck, do we? All right, then one more person that I want to talk about before we look at some scriptures here is I want to talk about Naomi. Naomi was a woman. You remember the story of Naomi and Ruth? Naomi was Ruth's mother-in-law, and her husband and her sons ended up dying. You remember the story? The Bible says that, um, that they were in a city, uh, and uh, I can't even think of what the name of that city is right now. I don't know why I can't, but, it's, it's, but, but anyway, it means place of bread. They were living in a city that was called the place of bread. There was a famine that hit, and they went down to Moab. And you know what Moab means? Place of ease. They left the place of bread to go to the place where they thought there would be ease. They got down there. God's provision wasn't there. Uh, Naomi's husband died. Her two sons died, and and she and her two daughter-in-laws were left. And you know the story. And one day when Naomi was going back to the place of bread into that city, the people came out uh, to meet her and Ruth. And when they came out, they started asking each other, who is this woman? We don't even know who this is. And she said, my name is Naomi or sweetness. I, I went out sweet, but I've come back and now just call me Mara or call me bitter. I went out sweet and I came back bitter. And see, that's the way life can be sometimes. We can be sweet if you know what I'm talking about. We can be kind and gentle and all those things and have the attributes of God in our life. And we go through an experience like Naomi went through and then we get bitter and it's all even on our countenance. The bitterness gets on our countenance. And, you know, we can look at someone and, you know, have you ever seen people that never smile? Now, to me, 
that's not good. We need to smile. We've got something to smile about. You say, but you don't know what I'm going through. Well, that's what I'm talking about tonight. Every one of us suffer, and every one of us go through trials. Every one of us go through things that are unfortunate. But you know what? It's how we how we manage to get through to the other side that counts. We can either keep that sweetness of the Spirit, or we can get that bitterness that's in us. We can. It's our choice, you know. And so I choose to allow the Lord to do a work in me and perfect His sweetness in me. Don't ask Eddie because he may not tell you. He may tell you that's not true. Amen. Now, the word reject means to disapprove, to refuse, to spurn, to exclude, to shut out. See, when people reject you, and when the devil is working that through people, the whole point is to shut you out, to make you be different. You know, these people have a place, but... You don't have a place. You're shut out. You know, also it means junk, scraps, to scrap. Now see, God redeemed us by His blood and we are not junk. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 6 that you and I are accepted in the beloved. And I love what it says at the beginning of that. It says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the beloved. It's by His grace that we're accepted in the beloved. It's not because we're so great. It's because we're so favored if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we have our sins under the blood. And He's our Lord and our Savior. And then we're accepted in Him because of the grace and favor. See, that's what we need to understand, folks, that we, that we have the grace of God working on our behalf. The people in the world without a covenant do not have the grace, the favor upon their life. But we as God's children do. And if there are people that shut me out and shut you out, you know what I think? They're missing a blessing. That's what I think. You see, but that's where... You have to be transformed in, by the renewing of your mind to see that because of the grace, because of the favor, that you are accepted through Jesus Christ to come boldly to the throne room. Now that is good news. And we are not junk. And we are not scraps. But we're from the household of God. We're kings and priests unto our God. We're a royal priesthood, the Bible says. And so if people want to shut you out, that's their misfortune. But you see, even in that, you can't get prideful. 
Well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he favors me. Well, I say that, you say that, but if you don't keep a humble spirit, then you're going to be in trouble with God anyway. So the things I'm saying is not so we can get puffed up. You've got to have the right attitude in the middle of it. Attitudes, we can just be nasty too. We can just be nasty right back to people. But that's not what it's all about. What's going to make the difference is that we let Jesus shine through us, that we let Jesus manifest himself through us. Now, I was talking about that scripture. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. You, you've seen the, the movie and the cartoon Transformers, you know. It starts out looking like one thing, and then it, you know, it begins to, you know, all these appendages start moving, and then it becomes something else. Well, see, God wants us to become something else. He wants us to become born again, renewed in the mind, to think like God thinks, to have the heart of God and to look at people who shut us out, who think that we're junk because we're Christians even maybe, to see through with the heart of God and see, you know, that's pitiful that you can't see that you can have that too, that God would love to do that for you. Be transformed by renewing your mind. How, how come that we come to the Lord, we get born again, but then we don't get transformed? Why is that? Because we don't read the Bible. Because we don't meditate on the Scripture. Because we don't fellowship with the Father. Because He is going to tell us. He's going to instruct us. See, I believe, yes, you got to have the Word, but you've got to have that time with God when God begins to speak to you and begins to direct you and begins to guide you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you renew your mind again by thinking like God thinks. The world, you know, tells you, you know, climb up, up that ladder and step on everybody that you can getting up there. Just get up there. That's what matters. But God doesn't do it that way. He'll exalt you in due time, He says. But He's not going to do it so He can put someone else down. Now, someone else may not be cooperating with the plan of God. And they may be moved out of the way. But it's not God doing it. It's all choices that's been made by someone. See, it's just like Saul. If Saul had done what God wanted him to do, what God anointed him to do, he could have been king. But you see, the first thing he did, what did he do? He, he, he was waiting on the prophet, and the prophet didn't get down there quick enough, and hey, I'm king, I can do what I want. And so he gives a sacrifice, and the prophet comes and says, What are you doing? Yes, you're the king. But this is not your office. This is not what you're to do. You've stepped way out of bounds here. Okay, that was the first thing that Saul did. And the second thing that he did, he was to, to go and destroy an enemy and not leave anybody or anything alive. Animals, people, everything. He was destroyed all. What did he do? He brought the king back. 
And he brought sheep back and other animals. He brought back. And the prophet said again, what have you done? Well, these people, you know, they just demanded that I do this. Well, whatever. You know, that's not true. He did what he wanted to do. He didn't listen to God. But we listen to God. We get our minds renewed and do what he wants us to do. Amen? All right. So we see then that because of his grace, we are accepted into the beloved through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we become his family. And others may look at us and they may say, well, they're too tall. They're too this. They're too that. But Jesus said, you're just right. Now, he may work on us and we may work on ourselves. And should we? Yes, we should work to improve ourselves. We should. You know, uh, I, I know recently I've um, started working out with a trainer, and it's like, my God. You know, but you know what? I decided I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to take care of this body. If I'm going to preach this gospel, if I'm going to minister to God's people, I want to be able to do it. So I'm going to do what it takes. So, but you know what? That's hard on my flesh, but that's an improvement that I need to make for my health. I need to do that. So, okay, it's good to make improvements. If you know, even in your personality and your traits and all, you know, if you know that you need to be more Christ-like, then work on it. Well, I'm just waiting for heaven to hit me with that kindness brick. Well, you might get hit with a brick that somebody throws because they don't like how you're acting. You know, see, we, we, we do things like that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this when God does that. No, you know what? God's waiting on you to do that before He does this. <laughs> you know it's true, don't you? All right. In Deuteronomy 1, 6, and 7, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good scripture. It says, you have dwelt long enough on this mountain. You turn and take your journey. You turn and take, and take your journey. Now, the reason I'm bringing this scripture out is because many times the things that are going on in our life that over and over and over again, you know, we can't have relationships. We, we don't do well with friendships or we feel like that over and over again that people are rejecting us and we just have this vicious circle that we continue to go round and round and round. And see, that's exactly what the children of Israel were doing. They were going around that mountain over and over and over again. And God said, it is time for you to turn and take your journey and get what belongs to you. Take your possessions. So I'm going to tell you tonight that inferiority and rejection can hold you and keep you going around and around. You can't do anything for the Lord because you're too busy and wrapped up for yourself. You understand what I'm saying? That's, that's the way that we do as humans. We just wrap ourselves in our worry and our care and our shortcomings and our weaknesses. And God's saying, drop that, 
Turn the other way and go get your possessions. Take that journey. You need to take the journey of life in God and and possess what the Lord has for you. You have a destiny. God says He has a plan for your life, and it's unlike anyone else's plan. And see, I'm not preaching to you hype tonight. That is not what I'm doing. I'm preaching you to you the truth of the Word of God, that God wants your life upon this earth to matter. Now, I've told you many times, I've gone to the nursing home, and I've ministered to those people. I did that for years. And, and I would go there, and one of the things that I would hear those people say, I, I, I regret that I never did what God wanted me to do. I regret that I didn't do this. I regret that I didn't do that. And see, I decided I don't want to live that way. Lord, I want to learn from that. I want to learn from their mistakes. They're at a time in their life when they can't do a whole lot. Now, I do believe that they could do something, but that's up to them to work that out. But, but for the most part, they spent their life and they're not going to be able to do a whole lot. And so I want, to, I want to turn to the Lord. I want to turn to the Word. I want to turn away from rejection and turn away from inferiority and all the people and the devils of hell that would try to project that onto me. I want to turn and take my journey. See, life is a journey. Let's journey through life with freedom and liberty that God has paid for for us. Amen? When he went to the cross, he spoiled principalities and powers and made an open show of them for us, folks. It was not just some display. It was for us so that the devil could not lord it over us anymore and so that we could have dominion. We could reign as a king and a priest and see if we let people look down on us, they will look down on us. Paul told Timothy... Do not let them despise you. Do not let them reject you. Do not let them count you as a piece of junk. Because you've got a call upon your life. You're young, but you've got a call upon your life. Now, can you stop someone from looking at you in a certain way disrespectfully? Or, and I'm going to tell you, being a woman in ministry... I have to do like David. Many, many times I've had to do like David and I have to turn from those that tell me you can't do it, you shouldn't do it, God doesn't want you to. Well, that's strange. God just didn't tell me that and He doesn't tell all those people that get born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and ministered to. You know, so see... You know, it's no different for me than it is for you. It'll be in a different way. But we, we have to turn from that. We, we can't live there. We've got to turn and we've got to go in the way that God wants us to and take that journey of life and get the possessions that God wants us to have. Now, I'm not talking... I do believe that God wants to bless you materially, but that's not what I'm talking about so much tonight. I'm talking about the journey of life, that along the way, the journey that we're on, that we accomplish God's purpose and will for our life, that we influence people for the Lord, that we make a difference, that that we have the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's when we turn and take 
take that journey and take our possessions. That's what I'm talking about tonight. I want that, don't you? you you've got a call upon your life, whether you know it or not. I didn't know I had a call. I'm not just talking about call to preach, but, you know, just a call that God wants me to be His ambassador, regardless of, you know, what gift He gives me. He wants me to be His ambassador. Well, He wants you to be His ambassador too. Amen? So what we need to do through the help of the Holy Spirit is stop allowing people and demonic forces to dictate our life and how we're going to live. And we're going to, you know, we're going to feel bad about ourselves, And, you know, we're not going to have a good self-image, you know. No, no. We need to get our minds renewed. We need to stop going around the mountain. And we need to do it God's way. And we need to see ourselves and others through the eyes of God. Amen. And the Holy Spirit can help us to do that. Amen. Now, Romans 12, 2 that I've just told you out of the King James, but listen to this. This is out of another, I think it's the Phillips translation. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remake you so that you, your whole attitude of mind is changed. Attitude of mind. Now listen to that. Don't let the world around you put you into this mold. How many of you have ever made jello before? And you know that there's a jello mold. And you put the jello in there, and if you're going to put fruit in there, whatever you're going to do, you put it in there and it sets up, and then you pour it or you, you know, take it out of the mold and put it on a plate or a bowl or whatever you're going to do. And what happens? The shape of the mold is what the jello becomes. Well, God has a mold for your life. Now, this mold is not so that we can be cookie-cutter Christians. You look like me. We're all little heart sugar cookies. No. One of you, you're chocolate chip. Another of you, you're oatmeal raisin. Well, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? It is pretty crazy. <laughs> but the thing about it is, the mold that God has for our life, it's all different. It's all different. Now, we're Christians, and the way we get there is the same, and characteristics that we have are going to be the same as the fruit of the Spirit and the Christ-like nature and all of that, but we're all different. He doesn't want us to all look the same. But you see, not only does God have that mold or that shape or that, that special you know, pattern for your life, if you will, the devil has one. The world has one. And in this mold, it's going to tell you, well, you're not educated enough, so you can't do that. You're the wrong sex, so you can't do this. You're the wrong color, so you can't do that. You're not pretty enough. You're not good looking enough. Whatever the case may be. See, to put you into that mold... To get you to think that you are inferior and that you're a rejection. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I had to do that as a pastor's wife. Because not only was I a pastor's wife, I had a pastor's heart. I had a call to preach. 
And so everybody kept wanting to put me in this mold. No, this is, you be the sweet little pastor's wife, and this is what you do, and this is your responsibilities. And you know what? I just jumped right out of that mold, and I said, nope, that's not me. And you know, that's what many of us need to do. We need to get out of the mold of the world that's, you know, somebody said this is the way you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. Now, I'm not talking about rebellion either. God doesn't like rebellion. But when the world is trying to shape and mold your life, don't give in to it. Is anybody listening to me in this Presbyterian church tonight? All right. So one thing I want to encourage you in, you know, on the journey of life and, and, you know, not getting wrapped up in rejection inferiority is don't compare yourself to others. That's really important. See, that goes along with, you know, not thinking you have to be just like someone else. You know, sometimes in early days of ministry... Um, you know, ministers will, you know, they'll hear a great preacher and they'll pick up their mannerisms and they'll preach their messages. And I guess that's okay for a little while, but you don't, you don't live there. You know, you have to grow and you have to become who you are in the Lord and you have to use your gifts and you have to preach the messages that God puts on your heart. I learn from lots of good ministers, so not talking about that. But but, you know, it, we don't need to be uh, pastor, brother, so-and-so, or, you know, we don't need to, to try to be like some movie star. We don't need to try to be like this one or that one. See, there again is that mold. We don't, we don't need to be in that mold. We need to allow God. We need to get on the potter's wheel, folks. And we need to let God shape and mold us into what He wants us to be. Amen. We need to learn to value what God values. You know that? Some people, you know, we were talking about the word rejection and how it means junk or scrap or something like that. And, and you know, that's the way some, some people count a life of a human being as a piece of junk or, you know, a homeless person. Or a handicapped person. Or a baby. Just as junk. Let's just disposable. But see, God values every life is important to God. Every one of you are so important to the Lord. With your weaknesses, with your inabilities, with your faults, with your failures. And all the same for me. God still values, values me, and He values you. And so if He does, then we should. Don't you agree? All right. I want you to turn to Judges chapter number 6. I want to talk here for just a few moments. And you know, I've been talking tonight about people in the Bible that, that had to deal with rejection and had to deal with inferiority, and we're going to look at another one of these people. His name is Gideon, and we know that um, the children of Israel, the Bible said, had done evil in the sight of God, and because of that, 
the enemies of Israel had come in, had destroyed their crops, and they were in dire in a dire situation. And so Gideon had some wheat, and he went out by the wine press, the Bible says, to thresh the wheat to hide out there because he was afraid that um, that he would be caught by someone in the the enemy's camp. And so he goes to that wine press, and the angel of the Lord comes to him. Um, and the word Gideon, I want us to look at the word Gideon for a minute. The word Gideon means muscle man. We are God's muscle men and women. What is the muscle that we have? The muscle that we have is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in our life. That's where we get our muscle as Christians. But here was Gideon, this muscle man, and he was hiding out, the Bible says, in verse number 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, the mighty man of valor was a a, a mighty man of war. He was a warrior. That's what God was saying. You are my warrior. You're mighty. I'm mighty. You're mighty. You're a man of war, Gideon. And listen to Gideon's response. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then be all his mere, or why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family, now listen, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now here you're getting a picture of a man who was rejected. Here the enemies had come in, destroyed everything that they had. And he's feeling inferior because of that. God, you've forgotten me. And I want you to, it's so interesting, look at this uh, as we look there. It, it's, this, is, this is what Gideon is saying. If you have been there for us, why did you let it happen? Where are you? You worked for the, the, the Israelites in times past. But where are you now? But I am poor, but I am the least in my father's house. See, here he, ifs, ands, buts, why, where, all these questions. And see, when we get into that place of not really seeing ourselves as God sees us in that well-balanced way, where we see ourselves as the righteousness of God, we see ourselves accepted in the beloved, but at the same time, we are humble. At the same time, we have that sweetness of spirit. 
And that's the way God wants it to be. But, but here he's saying, if only you had been here, Lord. Why did you let this happen to us? Where are you? You, were, you should have done a miracle for us. See, he begins to ask all these things. And that lets us know that he's not seeing himself the way that God wanted him to see himself. Amen? All these things, the ifs, the whys, the wheres, the buts, they keep us hanging on to rejection and inferiority. And God wants us to move past that. Amen? Sometimes this inferiority, like Gideon, it makes us feel less valuable, less important. And see, that's what it's all designed to do when God says, you are to rule in this life as a king and a priest unto me. Have you ever had issues in your life that you knew that maybe at the time you didn't know, but you look back on and you could see that the enemy was trying to work against you to bring that stronghold of rejection or inferiority into your life? I, I remember there was a time I was in junior high school. It wasn't middle school. It was junior high school. So that tells you how old I am. But anyway, in junior high school, I can remember being in a school. Uh, now, it was good educationally and that kind of thing. But it, it was a real unusual school in that there it, it was kind of like half and half. And the half and half was one portion of the school was just normal kids, you know, hardworking parents, you know, maybe not having, you know, everything, but, you know, food and provision and that kind of thing, but not a lot more. And then one group, uh, the other half, they were very affluent, came from very affluent families, very well-to-do, and inside that school, it was like a war was going on. And I was, I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, whatever the case may be. And I was caught right in the middle of that. I wanted to do things in middle school, but I couldn't do them because I didn't come from the affluent side of the tracks. And because of that, I really, I really had to fight feeling inferior and that spirit of rejection. And see, I look back now and I see what the devil was trying to do in my life. But you know what? He didn't accomplish it. But you know what God did in me? Right now, even in the pastoring that I do, in any of the leadership that I touch, this is what I put this mindset in them. I don't care if they're rich. I don't care if they're poor. Either one is acceptable. I don't care if they're educated or uneducated. Either one is acceptable because they're acceptable to God. And it taught me something even way back there when I was a young, you know, teenager. It put something in me that I will do everything I can to make people feel comfortable, to make them feel apart. It doesn't matter how they're dressed. Now, I do think that we ought to, you know, keep ourselves clean and take a bath. But, you know, if somebody didn't, I'd love them anyway. And then I'd give them a bar of soap. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. But you see, through that lesson in my own life and ha having to deal with that and having to struggle through it 
As a kid, think about it. It's bad enough as an adult, but as a child, having to do that. But I learned a good lesson. God taught me. And see, the experiences of life, if we'll allow them, it will make us better and not bitter. Because it would be real easy to get a chip on your shoulder and everywhere you go, you think people are looking down on you. That's nowhere to live, is it? I don't want to live there. If somebody doesn't like me, I want them to. But I can't play, I'm not, I don't want to be a man pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser first, don't you? And then if I can make men happy, okay, that's all right. If, you know, if, just like the people who come here, if I can do things to make their experience in serving the Lord better, then I want to do that. But I want to serve the Lord first. Amen. Are you learning anything tonight? All right. So here is Gideon, and he's feeling second class. He's feeling second rate. But God comes to him and begins to talk to him. Don't see yourself as the least in your family. Don't see yourself as poor. Don't see yourself that way. See yourself as I see you. Get rid of that poor self-image and receive my image. And I'm calling you a mighty warrior in my kingdom. And so God raised him up, and it's a wonderful story. You know the story of Gideon, most likely. Um, but in that story, the you know, after Gideon, you know, the Lord deals with him, he comes um, on down, and I think it's in the next chapter, and the Bible says in one translation that Gideon was clothed by the Spirit from head to toe. You see, if we'll get rid of that junk in our life and accept who God has made us to be and, and have the same value for ourselves and others that He does, then His Holy Spirit can come in and turn you into that warrior that you're supposed to be. He was clothed by the Spirit from head to toe. Boy, I want that, don't you? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.